This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, October 1st, we're into October. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man just chock full of gratitude today, Jerem Jordan. We don't have to wait until Thanksgiving to be grateful. I'm always like, wait, I'm grateful all year. Uh, there was a funny video put out from, uh, who knows, the NFL, where Kyle Vannoy last week on Thursday night had a sack, strip, fumble recovery. And I don't know if it's Gardner Minshew or if it's Kyle, it sounds like Kyle, that's yelling with the ball, and then Gardner Minshew jumps on and says, me, me, I got it. Thank you. KVN, full of gratitude, even in the middle of the game. I think KVN should be its own stat in football, combining the sack, KVN'd. strip, fumble, like and recovery. Jimmered is one, a verb. Oh, whatever. you got Van Noyd. Oh, you, you got KVN'd. Yeah. Yeah. How many KVN's did you have this season? Two. I had two KVN's. <laughs> it's, it's like the Bill Russell. So he, would, he wouldn't just block the shot. He would retain possession. So there's, there's value in prevention of a shot in basketball, right? You can't make the shot that's blocked. But uh, in, in football, if you can not just force it but recover it, I mean, that's, that's next level. The idea of Gardner Minshew, the Jacksonville quarterback who's like 5'10 and a buck 85 and has a sweet mustache. 190 with a mustache. Trying to rip the ball away from Kyle Van Noy is pretty hilarious. Yeah. But you got to give him credit for uh, trying to convince the ref. Me, 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 me. Yep. And then the referee pointed the direction of Miami, and then you hear Kyle say, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> really fun. Hey, plenty to be grateful for. It's your birthday month as well. It is. And Halloween. It's, it's a minute away, and who cares about my birthday? It's all good. Well, we got to talk about our Halloween prime, costumes. Prime number coming up, though, for me. We need, we, need to bring, we need to brainstorm about Halloween costumes. You know I love Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was righted one hard uh, one time in a meeting for not liking Halloween enough. <laughs> that was funny. It's like, oh, I can't. What's a like What's it? a Grinch on Halloween? I'm not a Grinch <laughs> about it. I just don't like it. Like, I'm kidding. I I cannot like something. <laughs> oh. Gosh, just as you cannot like me, that's fine. There's Bear plenty standing. of you. I hear you. Hey, uh, we've got a Thursday show lineup full of great uh, gratefulness of gratitude. Is gratefulness a word? I don't know. Sure, why not? Let's just say gratitude. Uh, whatever. And full of overachievers. Has BYU football overachieved through two games this season? I really want to hear the argument against that. <laughs> My one-on-one with BYU freshman tight end Isaac Rex, why he is a man based on the principle of obedience. You can appreciate that, Jerem. <laughs> Even if it means potentially embarrassing yourself on national television. Situational awareness. Plus, Deep Blue with dual sports star Jaron Hall, a Thursday night Cougar playing in the NFL, and the next cardboard cutout needed in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Here are today's BYUSN headlines. Yo, it's game day E for Brigham and La Tech tomorrow night in Provo. Cougar quarterback coach Aaron Roderick says experience is paying off for Zach Wilson. In your third year, the game slows down. And I think the other big part of it is the players around him are all playing at a really high level. And... Um, most of most of the guys that are playing significant snaps for us are in their third year in this offense, and it's starting to show. White Sox had, huh? Tied up 1-1 with the A's. Interesting. 
BYU Radio's Cougar pregame live with Jason Shepard and company starts at 7 Eastern on BYU Radio. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 8 Eastern. A lonely Spencer Lynch in the same Good times. Well, with the cardboard cutout. And we're adding more. Yeah. We're, we're inviting a few more into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Louisiana Tech football and head coach Skip Holtz rolling out of Ruston towards Pro Bowl. Why exactly is BYU quarterback Zach Wilson earning such high praise from the skipper Holtz? I mean, you can see it in his energy, his decision-making, how authoritative he is with where he's going with the ball. Uh, He will pick you apart back there. He's reading the field, the boundary, throwing out cuts to the field. I've just really been impressed with with what he can do. Speaking of overachievers, Zach Wilson, 80%, 36 out of 45, four touchdowns, only one interception. Right, hold on. I can understand Skip Holtz? Yes, you can. What? Give me a Christmas, BYU, Louisiana Tech. I, why, what? Good luck to the, uh, that's a long trip, by the way. Rustin to Provo. Rustin to Provo, man. Woo. Bring some food with you. That's David Almodova Athletic Market. Bring some delicious He's barbecue, like, Bring some please. Louisiana food with you, please. Yes. Tonight's Thursday night NFL game features the Jets and former Cougar Harvey Longy taking on the Broncos. Both are 0-3, a compelling and rich matchup. Can't wait for that game to not get as good of ratings as BYU and Navy. <laughs> it's the NFL. They're always I'm kidding. Like, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was a crazy day in sports, by the way. Eight playoff games. I stayed up and watched a ton of baseball. It was really fun. Compelling, relevant baseball. It was great. I'm not used to that because I root for the Mariners. Remind this, the people. This time of year I go, oh, We've been out of it for a month and a half. Did your second favorite team, the Yankees, win last night? Get out of here. There's very <laughs> there's very little you can say to me that's more offensive than what you just said. <laughs> that was calculated. And how about some love for Cougars on the PGA Tour? Zach Blair tees off today in the Sanderson Farms Championship. On the Corn Ferry Tour, former BYU standout and All-American Patrick Fishburn opens play in the Savannah Golf Championship. Both events run today through October 4th. Kale Sanderson. Farms Championship? Is that what we're thinking? I'll look into that. Le- the Lehigh wrestler who was All-American and never lost in college? Good poll. Like, at where? What, I, Iowa? Iowa State? What was that? I can't remember. All rise <laughs> and shout. I got nothing. What's, it's time for What's you're Trending. talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Overachieving is fun, isn't it? Bill Connolly, college football journalist and contributor for ESPN.com, wrote the following about the current bunch of BYU football overachievers in Provo. And I quote, Kalani Satake's Cougars began the season with the aforementioned route of Navy. That was by far the biggest single-game spread outlier of the year. But in their second game, they produced the 11th biggest, blowing out Troy 48-7 to as 14.5-point favorites. In two games, BYU's exceeded the spread's expectations by 77 points. The market is adapting quickly. BYU listed as a 23.5-point home favorite against Louisiana Tech on Friday, but even if the Cougars cover by a small amount, they'll be in lofty company when it comes to hot starts. Jerem, do you agree with all this? Is BYU overachieving? Oh, heck yeah, they are. Heck yeah. I think we thought BYU could be 2-0, but the way that BYU is playing is the overachieving part. Out, uh, out outlining things. Okay, three thoughts. One is generally, yes. Generally speaking, yes, BYU is overachieving because of the way they're playing. We didn't think BYU would outscore uh, Fools 103-10 to 10 against, frankly, anybody. Even if you said two FCS teams, is BYU going to outscore them 103-10? to 10? I would have been like, ooh, I don't know. They have not typically done that in the last five years. Right, and we heard from Aaron Roderick. We heard from Skip Holt. 
talking about BYU's offense and how good they've been, right? Ranked 22nd? I didn't see that coming, right? Um, the way BYU's been playing is amazing. Ten points allowed, three penalties, two punts. I mean, this is as well as BYU probably could have played, realistically. Second thought, Vegas line. BYU was a one-point favorite Navy, 14 against Troy, and just blew those out of the water, like you mentioned. Um, plus 51, and then 26 and a half on the lines. Are you kidding me? So Vegas has adapted for this game quickly. It's a 24-point line, started at 22. That's an FCS type of line, by the way. If BYU played an FCS team, you'd see that kind of line. Maybe 26 or 27. Okay, and then the third thing. The past has changed the future. The past being the way BYU has won these games has changed the future, meaning not only the line in Vegas, but our expectation. To me, it'd be disappointing if BYU lost two games this year. And, and that's even if you add a, a Boise State potentially in November. I think one loss is reasonable to expect at some point. Now, who's it going to come to? I don't know, but I'm telling you, BYU's going to play a game where it's close, and you go, what? Why was it get? And, it and hopefully BYU doesn't lose. Everyone plays a close game, right? So, so yeah, absolutely BYU's overachieving. And that's a good thing because what are we the kings of here at BYU? Overhype, preseason, da-da-da. We might even be doing it now. We'll find out later whether this was overhype. But it feels like it's merited right now, given the way BYU has played. They have absolutely dominated. Is BYU overachieving? I don't know. Has 2020 been a challenging year? Does everyone want a vaccine for COVID-19? And that's not necessarily the end of it, right? Of course they've overachieved. This is very, very obvious. A one-and-a-half-point favorite against Navy win by, oh, 52. And a 14-and-a-half-point favorite over Troy slow it down a little bit, and win by a cool 41. And BYU's defense, we thought BYU's defense would be pretty good. But how many people had BYU's defense giving up less than a touchdown per game through two games on the road against Navy, maybe to Troy, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I can see BYU's defense stepping up at home in their opener or whatever, no fans. But on the road against Navy, you give up a field goal. Like, it's the defense has overachieved, giving up five points a game. The offense is averaging over 50 points a game. This is unbelievable. And now I think we're getting closer to what will probably happen on Friday night. BYU is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. I could see BYU winning this game 37-14 to 14 or That'd be nice. 41-14. That'd be nice. You know, I, I can see something like that. And as Bill Connolly said, even if BYU covers or – they win by 25 or 27. This is, this is historic. This is an historic start for BYU when it comes to just absolutely crushing the expectations. The Vegas line specifically, yeah. And, and he listed some of the top September results. Unfortunately, we've uh, gone into October, so BYU won't qualify for some of the info he put there. But his point is valid in that look what BYU's doing. Expectations of the fan base are one thing. Expectations of the team are another Expectations of the media, even, are another. And then there's the Vegas line. So the Vegas line was the genesis of this whole conversation. And you think that Vegas, ha- Vegas has its means. But I love the context that that provides. Sure. Obviously, like a couple of years ago, it would have been weird to bring up like a gambling line. But it's just a context for what yes. a third party believes the situation will play out. It sets an expectation yes. for the game. We can quantify that. I, I, I love quantifying things. Like a lot of things in life are subjective. But if you can be objective in a lot of things, it's like, okay, how good is BYU? Well, they're supposed to be 24 points better than Louisiana Tech. And we'll see if Louisiana Tech is better than Troy. 
on paper, it looks like they are. Um, but they've they've beaten up on uh, you know Middle Tennessee and then Houston Baptist and sorry Southern Miss and then Houston Baptist, and so competition. Yeah, you could argue the same thing for BYU, but the way BYU played was different. Um, it was a one point win for La Tech against Southern Miss. Dramatic, amazing uh, comeback there by. Uh, you know, by Louisiana Tech, the Bulldogs. Over Southern Mississippi. Over, over Southern Miss. And then Houston Baptist, quality FCS team, but FCS nonetheless. So BYU's playing really well right now. The danger of this situation, though, is that if, let's say BYU wins by 17, is it disappointing in any way? It's like, oh, okay, wow. We've gotten to this point. I would say that 17-plus is what you need to be. 17-plus is what you need to beat a team. <laughs> like, that's a blowout to me. Just don't say the phrase. Three scores. By 18 or more. Thank you. <laughs> just you just you. don't want to hear no. that way. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I ain't scared. Like, I, I think La Tech uh, could be better than Troy. But what if they're only one score better than Troy? They put up 14. Eh. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't see how BYU doesn't win this convincingly. Whatever that means to you. Everybody loves the context of favorite versus underdog. And so I know some people out there are like, man, I talk a lot about Vegas lines. It's all, it is, as you said, all about the context of creating an expectation. Why do people love the NCAA basketball tournament so much? Because they have those little seeds next to the teams. And so if you see a 14 seed versus a 3 seed, automatically in your mind, there is an expectation, which is, oh, man, the three seed should blow out the 14 seed. But what if? I, what yeah, if? I like ranking. Some people are like, don't rank them until, like, week six. It like, creates no, no, fun it's, it's just context. Something else to, yeah, something else to talk about. Absolutely. So BYU is clearly overachieving. It makes me wonder, okay, what does BYU have to do against Louisiana Tech to overachieve? And that's I, perhaps a separate conversation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they have to win by 24. Listen, winning by a touchdown would be like, what would happen, given the way BYU's played? It really would. It so really would. You've got it's probably not 17-plus, but 18-plus. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> yes, I, I think it's a, uh, like BYU needs to win by three scores. Listen, we're putting some serious pressure on BYU, but, but they have brought this upon themselves by blowing out the first two opponents yeah, they, that we thought could at least make a game of it, maybe. They right? have merited. They have yes, earned this expectation. Yes, amen. They have earned it. And this is where goodness and greatness lies. Once you get to this point of expectation, now we're talking about a good team, right? And again, it's still early. I know there's a lot of dialogue about, okay, what can this team be? And is this Kalani's best team? And, and FPI, you know, and Sagarin and what? If this team, you know, goes undefeated or has one loss and didn't end up playing a Power 5 team, it's going to be a fun but intriguing conversation. Because certainly this team has taken advantage of a weaker schedule and will. But they're blowing teams out. So that's what you need to do. That's how you can uh, negate any schedule conversation, is just crush fools. Like Clemson plays in the ACC. ACC is not the strongest Power 5 league. It's, I would say it's probably, what, fourth? I would go SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Ooh. ACC... Overall, then Pac-12 well, Pac probably after that. Right? Okay. Um, yeah, the Big 12 is not exactly doing themselves favors this season. And, and what the what – the, and I'm talking the last five years. Whatever. But what the ACC – what Clemson does is they beat up on the other teams. So we're, we're going to see if Miami's any good, by the way, when they play Clemson. That, this week, I think, or next week? It's a week from Saturday. Yeah, a week from Saturday. Game day you'd think would be there. 
Um, that's going to be fun. So what, what Clemson does is what BYU needs to do. Just continue to blow out fools. You're going to play a close game you didn't see. It happens. Clemson plays, lose to NC State or whatever. Maybe it's this week for Clemson. Maybe. They take on Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia Cavaliers. Okay. Okay. K-pop, Atuaya, 2J, Anai, Dr. Bob. That former BYU staff. The boys take it on. They get Clemson. Let's all admit this for a second. We're all kind of Virginia fans, right? Those are likable characters. We like Virginia. Yes. Yeah. If they all went to Utah, it'd be different. But Virginia, that's fine. Not many people are rooting for Guy Holiday, right? I like Guy as a person. We like Guy. Yeah. I like all caps tweets. <laughs> yeah. All caps tweets. Our question of the day is BYU football overachieving thus far this season. Why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. If there is a why not... I want us to throw it in today. Please. I want to hear if the argument against If there is a why not, this. let's hear it. Because what? There are some of you out there because I've gotten the high school football competition, Spencer. You're right. We don't want to hear from that person. At Beck to Harleen tweets in, yes, 100% overachieving. Why? Because if I would have told you at the end of last season that BYU would be 2-0, <laughs> top 25, yeah. and Zach Wilson would be getting Heisman hype, you would have thought I had a serious case of blue goggleitis. Well, that would have been wins blue over Utah and Michigan State, not Navy. My, how things have changed. <sighs> but Man. maybe that is the most unbelievable part about this. Having beaten Navy and Troy, BYU with a full college football poll now with all of the major conferences back in, Baden. is still number 22 yeah. with victories over Navy because of margin. and Troy because, because of, of the way that they've played. Yeah. This is a great tweet. We all would have thought, yes, yeah. BYU's 2-0, snap, ranked in the top 25, the and Zach Wilson is receiving Heisman hype. Are you kidding me? Hey, if you want to, if you want to cry during the break, think about what if you already played Utah. Coming up, what's the minimum threshold? We continue the conversation for an impressive victory over Lockett, and why you can all expect to see more cabbage patch dancing Wait, what? this season. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow night, countdown to kickoff gets you ready for Louisiana Tech and BYU. Watch the Cougars warm up. Spencer Linton, the loneliest man on planet Earth, in the stands by himself with some cardboard. Not pizza boxes, but cardboard cutouts. Tomorrow night, 8 Eastern on BYU TV and free app. I'll be there. Loud and proud. I'll be there as well, but I'm not allowed in the stands <laughs> like you. I had to get special uh, exception. To go and do some no, you didn't. live hits no, you didn't. during Canada like, kickoff. They're like, oh, hey, Spencer, come on over here. <laughs> and I'm like, can I come in? They're like, no, you weren't on the back of the program. You got great seats. <laughs> yes, I do. 63,000 of them. You're just by yourself on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> and with Isaac Wood. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. It is game day eve, October 1st. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let us not lose sight of the fact that BYU football's offense has scored 103 points without the help of Matt Bushman. Oh, I wish Matt Bushman were playing, but he is not. And so there is some extra validation in that, losing your All-American tight end. And so naturally we all wonder, well, who's behind Matt Bushman and what's BYU going to do 
to try and fill that huge void? The answer is at least partially with Isaac Rex, and he is the subject of my one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access conversation, dancing and all. Isaac, I introduced you as an interpretive dance specialist on BYU Sports Nation today. Are you cool with that? Are, are, we, are we good with that? Do you guys want to, you want to hear the story, the real story? I would, I would love to hear the Cabbage Patch story. You want to hear the real – okay. Before the game, Coach Kalani, you know, we got no fans. We got no one hyping us up in the crowd. So Kalani wants us to get some dance moves, right? And he said, okay, everyone pick your own dance move. If you don't have a dance move, I got one for you. And I'm listening because, hey, I, I'm not a dancer. I don't, I don't know how to dance. So just let me, let me see what he's got. And he says, it's called the Cabbage Patch. It's from the 80s, and you just do this. And I was like, that's the, that's the easiest dance ever. Like, okay, like, I'll, just, I'll just do that, I guess. So if I catch a touchdown, you know, I'll, just, I'll do the Cabbage Patch. I catch a touchdown. I do the cabbage patch and all of a sudden the announcers, everyone's blowing me up saying I'm the worst dancer ever. Why would you, why would you pick the cabbage patch? The oldest dance in the book, <laughs> do something hip. And I'm like, okay, well I'm listening to my coach. I'm being obedient to my coach and trying to follow his, his counsel. And then I'm also just trying to, you know, have some fun. So everyone was kind of roasting me, but I kind of liked it and it was fun. And you know, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't want to listen to haters. I'm going to keep uh Cabbage patching and listen to my Absolutely. Coaches. I appreciate that. Yeah, the fortitude. Let's go. Cabbage patch for life. And here's the good news for you, yes. Isaac. By far, you were not the worst dancer on the field. <laughs> Jason Ogden and Billy Nixon, that, they, had your, they had your back, man. I heard Billy's was tough. I heard Billy's was tough. Uh, I didn't hear about Jason's, but it was, uh, you know, it was our first week of full dances. So, you know, just give us a couple uh, – just give us a couple weeks. Maybe this week we'll, we'll be better and put on a better performance. All in love, man. All in love. So, I know I appreciated the cabbage patch, and I'm glad you didn't get a penalty for it. Yes, I didn't. It was very subtle. <laughs> not, very subtle. not outlandish. Yes. No. It was very subtle, just right here. And then I was just hanging out. Yep, it was all good. Right on. Well, uh, fortunately for you, um, you don't have to wait 19 days between games this time. Um, yes. That's not as much time to practice your end zone dances, but it is exciting to get on to the next game, which is Louisiana Tech. So uh, walk me through the mindset of preparing for a game only six days later compared to 19 days between games. Yes. Yeah, so just basically like, like last year or any other regular college football season, we're playing back-to-back a week. So um, we're excited. We've been practicing for a while, and we're just ready to play more games. Uh, we're ready to go out there and show what we're all about, keep uh, striving and keep thriving. I mean, our offense is rolling right now. We want to keep this this thing going. So the quarterbacks, running backs, O-line, wide receivers are all – and all the tight ends are playing really well right now. So we just want to keep playing, and Louisiana Tech's going to be a good team. So we're excited for a good battle. So through your film review – what do you anticipate Louisiana Tech is going to try and do defensively against BYU's very, very effective and explosive offense? Um, I'm sure they're, you know, they're, it's going to be tough to stop us, but they're going to play us like um, any other team. They have wide uh, DNs and, you know, they may play us in some man, some zone. They're going to throw a bunch of stuff at us, but we'll be prepared for whatever they throw at us and we'll be, 
we'll be ready. So um, as long as we, we play our game then and don't um, hurt ourselves, I think we'll be all right. But we have to take them very seriously. Louisiana Tech's a good team with um, a lot of coaches that have been there before. Like they've coached there for a long time. They're, they know the scheme. So they're going to be ready to play. So we got to be ready also. Yeah, what message are your coaches collectively preaching to you, knowing that, hey, our team's ranked and they invited all the rest of the college football teams back into the poll, so that number two, 22 ranking is legit? How, what are they preaching to you to keep you grounded and level going into game number three? They're, they're basically saying, hey, we're, we're O&O. We're, this is a new week. We haven't done anything before. Um, this is a new week to show what we're about. Um, we're just, we got to take this game like we're, it's the first game of the season and we're unranked and we, we got to prove ourselves. So um, everyone's still very motivated, all the coaches and players. We want to be, you know, top 10, even number one in the nation. So we're going to keep, keep rolling with this thing and keep it going and play like we're, uh, we're 0 and 2 or play like we're 0 and 0. Why do you feel like, this team has taken the next step compared to where BYU football was last year, because a lot of the same guys are back from a team that lost to four and eight USF and six and six Toledo and felt like you should have won the bowl game against Hawaii. So what has changed? I think, well, we, another year of experience, um, but our coaches have really gotten us uh, settled in with the offense Coach Grimes, Coach A-Rod, Coach Clark, Coach Unga. Our offense has, man, they've really been on our, um, like, on top of us of being assignment sound football, no mental mistakes. And I feel like we could definitely see that in this year. Not a lot of penalties, not a lot of turnovers. Uh, we've been holding on the ball and moving and driving. So uh, there's, the coaches have done a really good job of preparing us for the season and, and, giving us experience uh, like and helping our put our experience to the test um, basically. So um, I know like even another year is so crucial for all these guys. And even though I didn't really play or a lot of tight ends and play a lot this year, we're kind of leaning on some of the O-linemen that have played three or four years like Brady and uh, Chandon and James. And so a, a lot of guys are helping each other out and we're all, uh, you know, we all got each other's back. So, and we all love each other too. So there's a big, there's a big difference from last year, and uh, you could definitely see it in this year. How much of that chemistry and camaraderie and all the things you just talked about has to do with the fact that BYU could have athletes back on campus with at least player and practices as of June 13th, whereas many programs essentially haven't had students on campus since late August or even early September. Yeah, that's been huge. We've we've been playing for a long time. I mean. Uh, we've been really grinding, and we were grinding in the off season too. Even when we were all uh, in quarantine on on our own, we were all doing our making sure we were all getting our own workouts in. And so we've been we've been putting in a lot of work since uh, whenever since Christmas time, whenever the off season started. So it all started after Hawaii, and we've been working ever since. And so uh, we were even lucky to have six spring ball practices, and and even though some schools didn't even have spring ball, so. We've been having a lot of practices that some schools haven't, so that's really helped us. But um, we've also been grinding on our own, and and we've been getting ready mentally. So uh, we're in a really good spot right now, and with a lot of experience in the off season. 
All right, Isaac, a couple of more questions uh, before I let you get back to your dance practice. Uh, <laughs> for, first and foremost, what is it like playing in Lavelle Edwards Stadium without fans? And why is BYU so good with no fans in the stands? Well, I mean, it's different. Um, Lavelle Edwards, we love our BYU fans. We want them there, obviously. But these, these times call for uh, some drastic measures. So uh, we just have to do what's best for everyone. And if that means no fans, then we got to respect that. But we just have to get our, you know, bring our own hype do our own dances, cheer ourselves on. We got to um, bring our own juice to these, uh, to these no fan games. And I mean, as long as we come fired up, then there's a, uh, there's nothing that can stop us. We can't uh, besides ourselves. So we got to come fired up every game because there won't be fans to bring it for us. There are so many different wild stats happening in BYU's favor. You take a look at any of them outgamed the opponent 1200 plus to 300 plus uh jack wilson and the offense you guys have scored 13 touchdowns he's only thrown nine incompletions you're outscoring opponents 103 to 10 what is the stat that you love the most right now through two games um i'm not the biggest stat guy i love that we're two and oh yeah hey there you go that's that's the one that matters most i think that's the one that matters most that we're 2-0, and I'm a big team guy, so I'm glad that uh, we're winning. I'm glad that uh, we're showing the BYU fans a good time, and I'm glad that uh, we keep hopefully be 3-0 after this week. Isaac, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the game against Louisiana Tech, and don't let the haters get you down. You keep doing your dance, the Cabbage Patch, the Roger Rabbit, okay. whatever. If you, don't, if you don't know what that is, go look it up. Let's make it happen. I'm going to look up, I'm going to Google 80s dance moves and I'm going to learn all of them tonight and prepare for the whole game because obviously it's working out for us. So we're going to keep doing 80s dance moves at BYU, like the glory days. I love it, man. I love it. Great to talk to you, Isaac, and uh, good luck against Louisiana Tech. All right. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. Isaac Rex on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Deseret First, you know why we show how. The 80s dance moves. Yeah, that probably should have been a penalty, but it's whatever. That, that was funny. The high five was funnier than the dance to me. But Isaac Rex, he redshirted last year, caught a pass in the Hawaii Bowl for 22 yards, 23 yards. Was it the Hawaii Bowl? Yeah. And then uh, in, in this game has his first touchdown, which is pretty cool. His dad, Byron, was an excellent wide, uh, tight end for BYU in the 90s as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. We met Isaac at uh, the night before a fan fest in Corona, California. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, maybe before his mission. That must have been 2016. Yeah, and he's part of a good young group of uh, tight ends that are occupying a space uh, that was deoccupied by Matt Bushman, as you mentioned. Isaac Rex with uh, Carter Wheat and Mason Wake and Kyle Griffiths and Lane uh, Lunt, Bentley Hanshaw, uh, Ben and Hank Tui Pelotu. Hank Tui Pelotu, both the son of Peter, sons of Peter. Hank was the number two going into last year, but. Sustained a second ACL injury. I'm told he's coming along well, which great. is great uh, because I, I like this group of young guys. We haven't really seen them in action too much. Carter Weed has played some. Lane Lund has played some. Kyle Griffiths had a 29-yard catch and run. He's He and Mason Wake are sort of these fullback, tight end types that BYU uses. Mason Wake scored two touchdowns <laughs> Pretty awesome. against Troy. How about that? So you could say the tight end scored three touchdowns, right? Tight ends. Yeah, Isaac Rex Bring and Mason it. Wake. Didn't Mason Wake run one of those in? Yes. So that's a fullback, fullback touchdown. That's so a, that's as a, a fullback touchdown. 
Okay, coming up, the newest D-Blown, BYU's first black starting quarterback in school history, Jaron Hall. What would qualify as an impressive win for BYU this Friday against Louisiana Tech? They're more than a three-touchdown favorite. This is BYU Sports Nation. Dangerous conversation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Get ready for game day by watching all the BYU football content you could ever possibly want on the BYU TV app, Coordinator's Corner. After further review, BYU football is playing Sitake, games, BYU Sports Nation. It's all on demand on the free BYU TV app. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is a Thursday edition of BYU Sports Nation on October 1st. Time now for the Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. BYU's 24-point fave tomorrow night against La Tech, obviously winning some gold, but as we discussed, against the schedule margin matters to the pollsters. So what's the minimum threshold for an impressive victory? For an impressive victory, it means covering that 23 and a half point line now for what i feel would be an acceptable victory it's three scores i think byu is just that much better than louisiana tech they're at home and for whatever reason byu is playing incredibly well in front of no fans Mm -hmm. there will be no fans tomorrow in provo so i expect byu to look impressive once again well they play even better when there are fans we'll hopefully find out in a couple weeks uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think BYU's got to cover. They got to they got to win by 24. Which, let's be honest, the way BYU's played, this seems super realistic, but it is dangerous rhetoric where we're going here. It is dangerous. I kind of, well, not just kind of. It's uncomfortable. I'm I'm getting because if BYU does it again, great, awesome, they're doing it. But now if they don't, we're disappointed. It's like. Winning by 17 plus. They only won by two touchdowns? Come on! Right. No, no. But the competition is such that, and the way BYU's played, that it is merited, but it is dangerous. Yeah, the last time I felt that way was probably 2008 when BYU played Utah State. And they were up 34 to nothing in Logan, and then Utah State scored two touchdowns late in the game, and it was 34-14, and I just kept thinking. They chained it overrated. Man, what kind of a message is that going to send to the nation? BYU's a top 10 team, and they only beat Utah State by 20. Yeah. Like, that's the, weird. The herd chanted overrated, which was hilarious. And BYU beat them in Logan They're by They're still down by a significant amount. <laughs> it's a good place to be if you're BYU. No, it's not. <laughs> what? In Logan? Oh, sorry. I took that literally. Yeah. Hey, in Las Vegas... The over-under under for total points in Friday's BYU-Louisiana Tech matchup set at 59. Jerem, will there be more than 59 total points scored between the two teams? I thought for sure the last game would be, but then BYU kneeled it, and that made it so at the very end so that it was under. Significant I'm, to some. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say La Tech gave up 30-plus uh, in both games they played. I think BYU gets into the mid to high 50s. And, th- and that La Tech scores at least once or twice. Okay. I think it's over. Here's the thing. Louisiana Tech could have two scores, and BYU could score 50, and it could still not hit 59. Right. Think about that. (laughs) 59's high. (laughs) But the way BYU's playing, let's go. Number two offense in the country right now. I think BYU's trying to make a statement again. Lock Tech's number six in points, by the way. So this is two of the top offenses early. I'm going to take the over here. I think BYU wants to make another statement and score a lot of points. This is not... 
Kalani Satake in years one, two, three, or even four. This is a new Kalani Satake. He knows what he needs to do to make a statement. Absolutely. And he knows that winning matters the most, but if you can, let's win convincingly. Let's go. Yet he's still having a decorum with kneeling it at the goal line in both games. Which BYU celeb is missing from the cardboard cutouts at LaBelle Edwards Stadium? There are a lot of fantastic cardboard cutouts there. Marie Osmond tweeted in yesterday saying, Hey, I had so much fun at the BYU football game last night. And then took a screenshot of the Y with her picture in the center of it. That, yeah, that was from a few days ago, by the way. Meaning, right, so, right. Because yeah. last night doesn't make any sense. But there were some snubs, right? I didn't see a Ty Detmer in there, so hopefully Ty makes his way to Lavelle Edwards yeah, Stadium by Ty tomorrow. Let's go. We're talking like celebrity status. For me, Jeremy, it's John Heater. And I want to see him as Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite. Do the chickens have talent? I want to see him as Napoleon Dynamite in the cardboard cutouts. I've got a bunch. Ken Jennings. Oh. Okay. Aaron Eckhart, Two-Face. Where's President Worthen? He Is he in the back? Uh, I want Brandon Sanderson in there. Some Brandon Sanderson fans in the house. He's an author who's the teacher at BYU. Okay. Uh, I want I want Chosich and Bradley. And at least Dennis Pitta isn't in there. That's kind of all I want. <laughs> For Dennis not to be in there. Can you guarantee that Dennis Pitta will not be included? We know the people that in charge of this. No Dennis, please. But Jeremy caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. This is BYU. That's plus. How long ago was that? Come on. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It hasn't even been a decade. (laughs) Come on. Another former. Were the lights even on for that Super Bowl? Super Bowl champion from last year, Daniel Sorensen, is there. So Dennis is saying, Daniel didn't catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Neither did Marie Osmond. Coming up, does La Tech have the greatest ever college quarterback combo? Better than Jim McMahon and Steve Young. We'll tell you who it was, and it, it may or may not shock you, which is the only result. This is, this is interesting. I, I can think of one for sure that was a great from Louisiana Tech, but do you know the other one? Plus, dual sports star Jaron Hall featured in our Deep Blue feature. He hails from a BYU legacy family, making history in Pro Bowl. That awesome story next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Two hours before game time, Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson get you ready for Louisiana Tech and BYU. Listen to BYU Radio. Greg Rebell and Mitchell Jurgens join them as well. Cougar Pregame Live starts at 7 Eastern on BYU Radio and the free BYU Radio app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Jaron Hall is a dual sports star in Provo specifically at Brigham Young University. He has, in his short time, broken down some significant walls and is still overcoming obstacles. Here's Deep Blue presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Don't let other people define who you are. Don't let other people justify who you are. Allow your actions to speak in volumes. Allow the things and the merits of who you are as a man and as a young woman to define who you are. Do not allow others to classify you, even though we are proud of the heritage that we have. We're proud to be who we are, but we're not going to allow someone else to tell us who we are. What does it mean for, for you to be the, the first black American starting quarterback here at BYU? I'm very proud of you know my, um, my ancestors, very proud of my ethnicity and all the things that come with that. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here and to be you know, playing at this wonderful university. 
probably as you talk more about, you know, the significance of it. However, you know, being the first black quarterback at BYU and just the, you know, what surrounds that, you know, BYU and, and its history of, you know, the individuals it brings in, but also kind of puts uh, more emphasis on my need to be a better person every day because, you know, I, I will in a sense always be remembered for that. And so it's just uh, it's just a good reminder to keep on the track that I'm on and just keep doing the things I'm doing. He's a very accurate thrower. He's got flawless mechanics just a really true smooth throwing motion that you can't teach that he just he's got it so he's a true quarterback for sure and he's a good athlete but he's a quarterback that happens to be a good athlete keeper for hall following his blockers nicely done 25 20 15 10 makes a sidestep makes a man miss gets into the end zone touchdown run jaron hall the fact that he can play a lot of different positions is, is really important but I think he thrives the most at the quarterback. It also doesn't limit him that he can play a lot of different sports. You know, he's a multi-sport athlete. Pretty sure he can play more than just baseball and football. But uh, the athleticism, the skill that, that it takes to be able to do so many different things and do it well with not as much practice as everyone else has, I think it's a remarkable thing that he's done and, and a huge credit to the way that he was raised by his mom and dad. Paul claps the hands, takes a drop. Takes off on the quarterback draw. Navigates his way into the end zone! Riley Nelson calls it. Jaron Hall executes it. We didn't necessarily expect to see Baylor Romney after that first half for Hall. We thought we might see him earlier in the game, but after that showing, a uh, surprise here. Jaron Hall, who started tonight for BYU at quarterback, uh, will not return to this ballgame, according to BYU. So they haven't told us what the injury is but looking at that last play he dove into the end zone landing on his shoulder and his head and remember he was out missed the last game because of a concussion so what would worry me concern me is that he has a similar issue because of the way he landed in the end zone right after it happened i came off the sideline and sat down and felt fine and all of a sudden just kind of went drifting off into la-la land. You know, I had no idea where I was. He played in a lot of football games and took a lot of hits and hadn't had concussions. Those hurt. You don't <laughs> throw that one in the morning. To have two of them in the time frame that he had them in, I think caught everybody by surprise. You know, a lot of emotions come when you're concussed. I wouldn't say I'm the most emotional individual, but I kind of broke down a little bit, was kind of frustrated and kind of confused for why it would happen again you know, after such a fun half of football. You know, it was the most fun I'd had really all my life playing football at that level in that stadium. So I was just really frustrated and confused, felt like I'd done all the right things. Um, just one of those stories, right? You just kind of feel bad for yourself. And then as my dad came in, you know, he was kind of frustrated too, being the supportive father he is. He laid his hands on my head. They gave me a father's blessing just for comfort, and it just kind of reminded me of what's most important, that the Lord, you know, he had me uh, you know, under his wing right then. He knew what was happening, and it was happening for a reason, and just kind of got over at that point, felt much better, went back on the sideline, and just told myself I'm here for the team now, and I'll do what I can until I get healthy, and it was a, it was a good lesson for me. I think it's difficult. You know, injury is always a hard thing to come back from, and sometimes it becomes a lonely world, you know, and everything else seems to keep moving. I've been there before, but... I thought he's handled it really well. Uh, from our perspective, we, we have to be careful because I think he's, he's the kind that just wants to go gung-ho the entire time, doesn't want to hold anything back. I think that being able to see the strength and the resolve that he has in himself as a person to respond back from the injuries. But, you know, it, it, it takes another thing to do that individually, but to do it and then help others along the way, that's an awesome thing to do as a teammate and as a player. Football has really just given me everything I have so far. It's given me a lot of confidence and hope in my future. 
And so I just, I, th I thank, you know, the Lord every day that I have the opportunity to play and, and just be a kid, you know, every day. Football just reminds me to be a kid and to have fun. Deep Blue with Jaron Hall on BYU Sports Nation, and this has received a lot of positive feedback. Um, and I think most BYU fans just want to see him get back on the field. Absolutely. In, in whatever capacity, he yeah. wants to play quarterback, but he's such a great athlete, it, it hurts to not have him available right now. He's hurt, and uh, yeah, he's not available. Hopefully he can avail be available soon. Uh, we don't know if that's La Tech tomorrow or if that's next week or the week after that or later. I, I don't know. This is a free year for everybody, so in terms of eligibility, it does not hurt him. Um, but he is he is a quarterback of the future, right? Uh, he and Baylor Romney are the uh, same year, and they're a year behind uh, Zach Wilson. So hopefully Jaron can get better. What he did in the Utah State game was a taste of what he can do. Mm. Let, let me remind you. So against Utah State, in the first half, he had 214 passing yards and 54 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He was pacing for a 400-100. How rare is a 400-100? Only 13 players have done that since 2000 in a game. He was pacing for what was going to be one of the greatest single performances, not in BYU history, in NCAA history, with a 400-100. Only 13 college football players in the last 20 years. And one of those is Taysom Hill yes, against, against Houston, Houston in 2013. Incredible. Hopefully he can get back healthy. Coming up, does La Tech have a better quarterback duo than Steve Young and Jim McMahon? Well, listen to our stat of the day, and then you can decide the answer <laughs> to that question. This is BYU Sports Nation. Deep Blue on BYU Sports Nation is presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the pod. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We have saved a loaded question for the back end of the show. It deals with phenomenal college quarterback duos based on the program. Okay? So, Jerem, I present this. Because BYU is playing Louisiana Tech. Yes. We looked at yes. the history of Bulldogs football and found that Terry Bradshaw and Phil Robertson both went to and excelled at Louisiana Tech. Are they? Oh, a... Phil didn't excel, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm, tr I'm trying to hype it up, okay? <laughs> Are they a greater college quarterback combo no. than Steve Young and Jim McMahon? No. Which brings us to our stat of the day. <laughs> It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jim McMahon and Steve Young combined for 19,288 pass and rush yards and 173 total touchdowns. I like. I didn't even bother to look up what those other two did. Now, obviously, Terry Bradshaw was an amazing quarterback. Now, you probably want who's Phil Robertson? Duck Dynasty guy. Duck Dynasty guy, Phil Robertson, started over Terry Bradshaw. Believe it, and there they are. Great image. Now, Phil Robertson could chuck it. Uh, back in the 60s. He started two years ahead of Terry through javelin and baseball too. Bear Bryant, after a 34 nothing win over La Tech, said, hey, that Robertson has one heck of an arm. Ooh, How about that? So, yeah. Uh, Terry Bradshaw in his book in 01 said, the quarterback playing ahead of me, Phil Robertson, loved hunting more than football. He'd come to practice directly from the woods, squirrel tails hanging out of his pockets, <laughs> duck feathers on his clothes. Clearly, he was a fine shot, so no one complained too much. Does that not just scream rust in Louisiana? I love it. Dude. I am all for it. I love it. Duck Dynasty. 
Phil Robertson, Terry Bradshaw. No, they're not a better quarterback duo, but that's certainly a great story. They're famous. Uh, they they might be a better combo for advertising, right? <laughs> if Jim McMahon had brought it more, because Steve <laughs> Steve has tried to bring it a little bit with uh, Van Heusen, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Is with Van Heusen or still is? Yeah. Get the wrinkle-free awesomeness. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Duck Dynasty. Our question of the day, is BYU football overachieving thus far this season? Why or why not? We asked for a dissenting opinion if there is one. We found one. All right, let's hear it. At KJT underscore 91 on Twitter says, beating G5 teams should be considered achieving. We may not know until a potential Boise State matchup whether or not BYU is overachieving this season. Well, uh, for one, Boise State is a group of five team. Yes. So is beating Boise State a group of five teams achieving? Just achieving? No, no, not all wins are created equal. Uh, teams are good or bad, and how much you beat them by or how much you don't beat them by, that all mat- it all matters. No. So, yeah, I, I disagree with it, but uh, we welcome the uh, other side of the argument. At KJT underscore 91. Remember, in the last three seasons plus two games in 2020, Against group of five and independent competition. So non-power five. BYU is a combined 13 and 12. Beating Troy just put BYU over 500. Finally. Against those teams. Finally. In the last three years and two games. So I don't think it's just achieving. The expectation level is certainly changing, but the way they're beating teams qualifies as overachieving. Okay, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Dan underscore Smith for BYU on Twitter. Dan Smith. In my opinion, yes, overachieving. With Bushman out, I thought the offense would miss a step. But Milne and Romney have been pleasant surprises. And after Troy, I have a lot of confidence in this defense. Hashtag what if I BYU told you in. that four BYU players average over 100 all-purpose yards right now? You mentioned Gunner and Dax, Lopini, Katoa, Tyler, Algier as well. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I'm on board for it. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Mine goes to the guy who asked me on Twitter if it really counts if Jaron Hall started only one game, becoming the first black BYU quarterback. My answer to that, heck yeah. Yeah. He started two, by the way. He started multiple games. Yeah. And perhaps might in the future. Our thanks to today's guest, Isaac Rex. Started Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Hopefully you don't have a cardboard cutout in the Leather Stadium this year. <laughs> Rogero. I am Spencer. Shout out to KJ Hall. We'll see you tomorrow live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on game day. Go Coops.